We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? Uh, it's your boy, John of the Macri, with you for the first edition. Plan is to do this uh, for the next couple of days, and then Jeremy and I will be here for the actual trade deadline on Thursday, but the first edition of uh, KFS Lunch Break. So um, it is trade deadline week. It is Monday of trade deadline week. I reached out to Andrew uh, a week or two ago and was like, hey, you know, there's usually lots of stuff going on trade deadline week. Wouldn't it be cool if we had an opportunity to jump on during the day and take questions from anybody who's wondering about anything uh, while also trying to digest, process, analyze, speculate, whatever you want to say about any news and rumors that are um, hitting the hitting the interwebs, as it were. So uh, if you're watching, first of all, thank you for watching. And second of all, uh, get your questions in. Uh, Andrew is manning the chat, and we will try to answer as many questions as possible. My, my goal is, is going to be more volume. Then, um, then, uh, <laughs> then I was gonna say more volume than quality, but that implies that's not, a, I don't want that implication. Just a high volume. I'm gonna be a, a high volume shooter. Hopefully, the, the hit rate is, is closer to Steph Curry than, um, who has a low three point rate on a lot of shots this year, Terry Rozier. Um, yeah, someone like that. Hopefully, we're closer to Steph than, than Terry, scary Terry today. Um, so get your questions in there. As far as like news and rumors, there's really nothing that that hit today. Um, just Woj sending out a few tweets about the uh, CBA negotiations that are uh, ongoing. The two sides have put off, uh, have extended the deadline to Wednesday. The only way that I really see this being relevant to the Knicks, just very very briefly, is it sounds like one of the things that they are going to potentially amend is your ability as a team to extend a player for when they're still on their current contract and before they hit um, free agency to extend a player at a rate greater than 20% um, over their current contract. So why is this relevant to the Knicks? One of the players the Knicks have been linked to uh, ahead of this trade deadline is OG Ananobi. OG Ananobi um, is someone that is currently on a $17 million contract, 17 point something, I forget, whatever it is. Whatever it is, 20% more than that uh, or 20% more than his figure for next year, I guess, is what it would be. And I think next year is like 18 and change. That's way below his market value. So he, under the current rules of the CBA, is not is just not going to extend. So any team that trades for him 
is going to trade for him with the knowledge that they're it's going to go into unrestricted free agency and they're going to be acquiring a player that could leave in less than a year and a half. Um, if they change the rules such that you're allowed to extend a player for more than that 20% raise, um, it is going to give whatever team that acquires him um, more of a leg up. Um, and I would imagine the price for him would increase. Although I could certainly listen to arguments that would suggest that perhaps um, the price for him would even decrease because it's almost like a guarantee that you're going to have to pay the guy a lot of money. And and who knows? The market's the market is always funny. I would imagine the price for him is going to go up though if they change the rules. Okay, that's all I wanted to say. Um, I feel like let's open it up to questions. I'm curious what people have on their mind. Uh, Busy starts us off. Locked on Nets podcast sounds so depressed. LOL. I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. I can't say I've ever sat down and listened to a Locked On Nets podcast, um, but that makes me happy, and I hope the 87 are doing okay today. I really do feel for them. Um, it's been a rough go. Pastor Claudio's Obi Hive. Why would Utah demand an unprotected first to take Obi for Vanderbilt? I am happy that this came up early. Um, this has been something I think the, so just by way of background for anybody who may not know what, um, Pastor Claudio's OB Hive is referencing, there was a Twitter account called Jazz Notes, and it is a, an account that I actually followed and had on notifications over the summer during the whole Donovan Mitchell thing, because they have not a perfect track record, but they have a really solid track record. And um, they don't tweet a lot. It's not like one of these accounts that tweets left and right about every all manner of things and, and has a bad hit rate. Like their hit rate is pretty good and they don't tweet out a lot. So they tweeted out um, the following tweet. And I'm just going to read it because I think the language is important. The Utah Jazz and New York Knicks have had productive talks on an Obi Toppin deal. Hold up in the talks to this point, flashback to the summer has been Utah wanting an unprotected New York first-round pick. NBA sources tell Utah Jazz Notes. And then they follow up by saying, Knicks have only been willing to offer protected picks that they have acquired from other teams. Source said this being a sticking point has made talks awkward and feels like Groundhog Day. (laughs) I'm sure awkward is one word to describe what those talks have been like. Um, Why would Utah demand an unprotected first? Because they're they're pigs and they try to demand the the sun the moon and the stars when they feel like they have a situation where a team is desperate and they felt like the Knicks were desperate for Donovan Mitchell over the summer and they demanded the sun the moon and the stars and then eventually as it got closer to when they felt like they were going to need to make a deal i think their their price started to go down the Knicks, it never went down to the point that the Knicks felt like they felt that the Knicks felt that they could get it even lower. So I don't, I don't necessarily blame them. I think if that's true, that they're really demanding an unprotected first, I would imagine that the deal is not Jared Vanderbilt, Malik Beasley for Evan Fournier, Obi Toppin, and an unprotected first round pick. That would seem to me to be even a stretch for Utah. Um, 
I could be wrong. Look, it's early. Like teams that are sellers are going to be asking for a ton because it's the seller's market. So I don't blame Utah. Um, and if if it gets to Thursday at you know twelve o'clock, one o'clock, two o'clock, and it just comes down to okay, who's more motivated? Are the Knicks more motivated to move Obi Toppin ahead of um, his a summer in which he could extend with the team that um, he's employed by, or are the Jazz more motivated to move off of Mikael Beasley and and Jared Vanderbilt where they feel like their value is the highest? Um, I don't know. I think if you want to have a larger takeaway from this, and it's one that I I feel bad making, but I, I don't think it's inaccurate. It's that the value of Obi Toppin around the league is it, it's just not very high. You know, um, teams don't view him in the way that some of us have viewed him over the course of the last few years. That's just the reality. He is a, a you know, he is what he is. He's a, he's a non... He's a guy that no one's going to feel comfortable putting at the five. The, sh- the shot is coming around, but it's still a question mark. Defense is a question mark. Positional versatility is a question mark. Um, he doesn't create his own shot in the typical way. Although if you want to talk to me about how his energy and activity and running in transition and the whole thing, and if he was you know, put more in a more spaced out system, he would, he would be a weapon in his own kind of way. But like, again, those are a lot of qualifiers. And he's not like a, you know, he's not like a three and D guy. Just plug and play into any system. He's a different, different fit. Thanks for that question. Good way to start us off. David Lee asks Evan Fournier trade value. Still a negative asset. Um, Still a negative asset. I mean, $18 million this year and 18 and change next year, almost $19 million next year. Guarantee fully guaranteed is a lot of money to pay for a guy that I think for any team looking to acquire... Yeah, that's the thing, right? Is you have to think about who are the teams that would actually be looking to acquire Evan Fournier to help them win basketball games this year. And there are a lot of teams that are in it, right? There are a lot of teams that are making a go of it. There are still, you know, you want to say like 80% of the league is still trying to win games right now. That's fine. But like, look at those rosters and look at the players on those rosters and look at what they are making and look at, this is just as important, look at the contracts that those teams would need to give up to get Evan Fournier onto their team and ask yourself, well, is it really worth it for those teams to give up whatever contracts they would need to give up to make a Fournier trade happen? And the likeliest answer you're going to get is you look through every single roster is going to be there, like, here's the thing. There's not a lot of bad contracts out there on these teams. Like, you could look at a Dallas, and you want to give me like Davis Bertans. Okay, could the Knicks maybe get an additional asset if they swapped Fournier for Davis Bertans? Could they get a second round pick out of that? Sure, maybe they get a second round pick out of that. But like, other than that, like, what are we really doing here? And it, and if you want to talk to me about like, okay, but he's going to be expiring 2024 when all these teams have maybe are going to be looked to have room. Well, again, that's where the CBA thing hangs over all of our heads because like how much really is going to be the value of cap space in 2024 if they change the extension rules and all of a sudden guys like OG Ananobi and Jalen Brown and Damana Sabonis and DeJounte Murray may not hit the open market. You know, it, all of this stuff is connected. All that being said, I still think Evan Fournier has negative trade value. James Shh. 
Shank. I hope I got that right. Do you expect RJ's trade value increasing after the deadline or should the Knicks try to trade him before Thursday? It's impossible to talk about RJ and his trade value or lack thereof without talking about the poison pill. Um, and again, I apologize for those who have heard this a million times before. I also apologize for those who have heard it none at all and don't feel like hearing a, a lecture on the CBA. But in short, if you're trading RJ, he counts as roughly $10 million or I think $10.9 million in outgoing salary. And he counts as 26, I think, 0.2, or 24.2. I think it's 26.2 in incoming salary for whatever team that is acquiring him. So it's just tough to make deals work. Like everybody wants, or not everybody, certain people would potentially be interested in an RJ Barrett for OG and an OB swap. You can't do that trade straight up. It would require the Knicks dumping um, an additional small salary, probably Cam Reddish on a cap space team, you know, like San Antonio could also fit it into Indiana's salary cap space. And then it would also require, and I, I don't want to get into the nuts and bolts of how this is, but just take my word for it. It would also require the Raptors to take one of their small salaries and dump it into a cap space team. Um, again, San Antonio or Indiana, because those are the only teams with cap space. And and those teams are not going to take on those contracts for nothing. They're going to want a premium to take, whether they value Cam Reddish a little bit or not, they're going to want a premium. So, I would say his def- his his trade value is lower just because in order to trade him someone in the trade is going to need to put additional stuff into the trade to facilitate the trade that they are not going to need to put into to put into the trade this summer. The only other way you build a trade is if you build up by adding additional salaries on both sides and then it gets crazy and then you're you're outside of the the bounds of 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 realistic um sorts of trades. If you're just asking me in a vacuum, like, do I think RJ is going to improve his play between now and the end of the year? Um, I mean, he finishes strong and I think the Knicks are trending in the right way. So probably his, his trade value will increase. That said, it's become perhaps more and more apparent that the Knicks best five man units on more nights than not. If to close games don't include RJ Barrett. So all of a sudden, if you get to the summer and more and more and more, the Knicks are going to try to win games moving forward. What if there's another game or two games or three games or five games between now and the end of the season where RJ spends the end of the fourth quarter on the bench? Does, does that send a signal to the rest of the league that hey, um, maybe the Knicks want to get off this this contract. Now, even if it becomes apparent to the rest of the league that like he may not be a fit here, it doesn't mean it's going to tank his trade value. Other teams are still going to look at the situation and be like, well, it didn't work out great there. He wasn't a great fit there. But then you could even flip that on his head. Like, what team around the league is going to be like, oh, well, you know, we're such a better situation for RJ Barrett. You could tell me, you could, we could talk about that up and down, but like it's complicated. So in a vacuum, yes, I think there's an argument to be made that his trade value could be higher right now than it is in the summer. And then there's an argument that it's not. I don't think it's an easy question. Kevin Anishevsky, what's going on, Kev? Other than OG, who is a big wing 
that you think might fit better on this team than RJ. I just don't see him accepting a six-man role moving forward. Um, I'll do what I always do when I get these sorts of questions, which is simply pull up the NBA standings because that's kind of how I I think about things. Um, So we're talking about someone who could play the three. Right? Because in this scenario, we're not trading Julius Randle. And we're going to keep starting either Quentin Grimes or Emmanuel quickly alongside Jalen Brunson. So I think you want, you know, you want size. I think you want, I think you want shooting. I think you want ball movement. And just to be clear, I'm not advocating for trading RJ Barrett to anybody watching or listening. I'm not advocating for trading RJ Barrett. I am merely trying to answer this question and give it, give it its just due. Um, I think the honest answer is that that this is a really tough question to answer because the players that you might pinpoint are not ones who like if it's a better fit and the player is available, it's probably going to be such a downgrade in talent that it's just like, what are we doing here? Just stick with the guy they drafted third overall four years ago or three and a half years ago. Or on the flip side, the price is going to be so high or realistically the player is like not available. Um, Like the first name that came to my head, perhaps obviously is Cam Johnson um, who fittingly enough has been rumored in talks or uh, discussions with Toronto with, you know, maybe for, for OG and Like Cam has been playing the four in Phoenix. Could he play the three? Like, yeah, I think he played three. That's a dude who gives you a little second or secondary, like tertiary, tertiary creation stuff, maybe a little higher level than Grimes at this point. Um, Obviously, he's a good shooter, good size, good defense, moves the ball. Um, You know, all, all the, all the stuff you want, like that's a name, but like, how are we getting Cam Johnson from Phoenix? Why is Phoenix trading us Cam Johnson? What are they trading us Cam Johnson for? You know, like that that part is less clear to me. Um Dorian Finney Smith, there's another name. I like Dorian Finney Smith a lot. You know, but he was just perhaps the biggest piece of the Irving deal, and KD seems to be friends with him, so yeah, I don't think I have another. I don't think I have another. Lou Dort. Oh, I love Lou Dort, but they're they're not giving up Lou Dort. Oh, I'll, I'll throw you one more bone. Uh, Josh Hart. Josh Hart's an interesting name to me. Josh Hart. The issue with him is he's never been a consistent shooter, but defensively he gives you everything you want. Um, he could do some stuff with the ball. Probably would be comfortable in the role that they would have him in here. Um. It's just the shooting. I don't. I honestly don't know off the top of my head what Josh Hart is is shooting at the moment. I imagine it's probably not great. We look it up. Um, but yeah, that's the other name that I would give you. He's a big wing. Robert Cross, first time, long time, John. Thank you for the generous contribution. I I didn't know we were doing the super chat thing today, but happy to um, happy to take your money, Robert. It just makes me it just puts a smile on my face. Uh, Josh Hart, by the way, yeah, is shooting 30% from three this year. But before this year, he's been better than that. Um, He was 34% last year, 33% the year before that, 34% the year before that. So 
It's like a 34% three-point shooter for his career. He's just having a down year. Um, so maybe not a great fit because he doesn't take a lot of threes either. So scratch that. Uh, first time, long time, John. I don't want the Knicks making any moves other than offloading Cam. I want Deuce in the rotation. I don't want Obi traded for spare parts. I don't want to get aggravated this week. Hashtag 53 wins. Robert, that was an aggressive... I, I felt you through your words there. Um, I don't want you to get aggravated either. I would also like to... like. I think those two things are connected. Deuce staying in the rotation and the Obi trade. And if... If the Jazz are really going to play hardball um, and the Jazz have already shown that they don't think very much of New York's protected picks, and I don't think for a second the Knicks are going to give up an unprotected first-round pick to offload Obi Toppin, um, I think there's a good chance they don't make that trade and that there is no trade on the table for Obi that they really like. So I think you might get your wish. I think you might get your wish. Now... The offloading cam part is complicated because, and I wrote about this last week in the Knicks Film School newsletter, what type of cam trade are you making? Are you making a cam trade in which you are bringing back salary that just needs, that's salary just because you need salary in the deal and it's not a player you're planning on playing in the rotation and you're just getting the best second round pick that you should get from whatever team wants to give you a second round pick for cam? Or are you trying to use cam mostly as outgoing salary and then you're adding a draft asset to Cam to try to bring back a better player like everybody's favorite NBA player, uh, Grayson Allen, you know, as has also been rumored. Do I think the Knicks have the appetite to include whatever they need to include with Cam to get Grayson Allen to do what? So Cam could co- so Grayson Allen could come here and take Deuce's minutes after Deuce has been like playing really well. Like I, I, I I'm with you, Robert. I hope they don't do that. And I, again, I flip flopped on this, but I hope they don't do that. Daniel L., do you think the Knicks should look into trading one of their protected firsts for Bones? No, I don't. Uh, Bones Island's a really good player. I It feels like whenever I turn on a Denver game, the dude's sinking threes from 30 feet. That said, he does not defend. And his overall efficiency is not great. Um, he is a guy that I think for some teams would make more sense than others. He's so antithetical to me, at least to New York's identity, what they have, what they have, what their identity is now and what it's been for the last two months with deuce and quickly coming off the bench defense first guards. And like quick to me, quickly is a, I, I understand he doesn't shoot it like bones does from deep, with the willingness and with the, with the volume, but like, my God, give me, give me Emmanuel quickly every day of the week and twice on Sunday over bones Highland. And the notion that we're going to bring in a bones Highland to take a single solitary rep away from Emmanuel quickly, who are already still, even after he's exploded over the last month and change, sometimes has a little trouble getting his reps on this team. Um, no, I'm not doing it. I have no interest in doing it. Busy. What's going on, Busy? Thank you, man. Let's send lots of super chats so John's wife will agree that he could leave his school kids unattended permanently in the middle of the day. <laughs> you are fantastic, Busy. 
to talk with us. Um, you know what, Busy? <laughs> Maybe someday. Uh, today, so my schedule is such that I have some free time in the middle of the day during the week. And I have a lunch period that I am entitled to as a proud employee of the Department of Education, as well as a prep period. Now, the prep period is not technically supposed to be spent talking trades with Nick fans, but, um, you know, it's one week, right? One week won't kill anybody. Uh, Jeffrey Zaluccio. My God, I'm bad Italian. I can't pronounce his name. I'm going to go with Zaluccio. John, thoughts on a three-team deal? Toppin and the Milwaukee first to Utah. Toppin and the Milwaukee first to Utah. Okay. Derek Rose and Vanderbilt. Derek Rose and Jared Vanderbilt and the Knicks first. The Knicks won this year, I'm assuming you mean. And the Dallas first to Toronto and OG Ananobi to the Knicks. So let me process this for a second. I need a moment. So the Knicks are giving up the Milwaukee first, their own first this year, and the Dallas first this year. So one unprotected pick that is theoretically has a nice ceiling. And two protecteds, including the Milwaukee pick. And they're giving up Obi. And they're getting OG. I and they're giving up Rose for salary. So that is light. If you want OG and an OB, you got to give up more than that. That's light for OG and an OB. As far as what Toronto is getting. Toronto is getting. Oh, Toronto isn't even getting one of the first. Toronto's only getting the Knicks first and the Dallas first and Jared Vanderbilt. Yeah, no, that's that's going to be a, a no from Toronto. For Utah, they're getting Toppin and the Milwaukee first, and they're only giving up Vanderbilt. Now, I don't like I, I I guess that construction where <clears throat> where the where the Raptors end up with Vanderbilt and picks. Because like I agree, Van, I think Vanderbilt's more in line with the sort of player that maybe Toronto wants than Toppin is. Although I, I could be wrong about that. Um, yeah, I like I like the creativity there. Uh, I, I think that's going to be a no for me though. Frank Miranda, Frank, your generosity knows no bounds. Frank, seriously, dude. What's up, Frank? Mac, it's your boy Frank from Patreon. I was an advocate of trading for OG and Anobi, but that has to be put on pause due to the Kyrie fallout and how that affects KD. The Knicks, oh my God, here it comes. Prepare myself. I'm gonna need you're gonna have me pouring scotch at quarter after twelve in the afternoon. The Knicks have to hold as many assets as possible for the offseason. Um <clears throat> man. <clears throat> The KD thing, he, I don't think they're going to trade him here. I don't think they would trade him here. But like, just from a purely theoretical perspective, the Knicks have all of their own picks. They have the protected picks. They have R.J. Barrett and Julius Randle. So I don't know. That's a fun question. Which of those two would the Nets prefer? I don't even know. I don't know. I genuinely don't know the answer to that question. I have no idea, but they have both of those players. 
you know, and they maybe there's a young guy in the, involved in that too with all the. I don't know. I don't know what the offers would be. I don't know what the Nets' priorities are. I don't know how they would view Julius Randle. My guess is that the Knicks would want very badly to include RJ Barrett in that deal because I think the Knicks, if you're the Knicks, I don't know that you're talking yourself into a team that has KD, Brunson, RJ, Grimes quickly, although one of Grimes or quickly would probably need to go out in that trade. I don't, you're not talking, that's not a contending team. Durant, Randle, Brunson as a top three. Pick your insert your shooting guard into the starting lineup. I guess it would probably be Grimes, and then I guess you're doing Mitch. But that's a that's a really big front front five, and I feel like they would need to make a roster adjustment, maybe even a coaching adjustment. Um, but that's I mean from a talent perspective, pretty good. Daniel L. Josiah ain't sending KD cross town. Wouldn't even send Kyrie to the Lakers. I. So can I push back on that a little bit? I agree that he's not sending KD across town. I think that is something that has been assumed throughout the league that the net that the Nets would never trade a player of KD's caliber to the Knicks. I agree with that sentiment. However, why exactly does Josai have any reason to be like like vindictive of the Knicks? Like he's never expressed even remotely any public sentiments to suggest that he cares like, oh, we're not going to help the Knicks out. The Knicks are big. You know, I don't want to help out big brother, this and that. The Kyrie thing got personal. That was different. He didn't want to give Kyrie his way after what Kyrie has done to his organization over the last three and a half years. That's different, I think. But, you know, I just for context. For over 30 years, the law offices of Weiss and Rosenblum in New York City has been home to a team of award-winning, hard-hitting injury attorneys who have a long track record of seven-figure results. Whether you've been injured in a car accident, fall, construction accident, or other traumatic event, Weiss and Rosenblum will work tirelessly to maximize the award, regardless of the severity of your injury, and get you and your family the fair and just compensation you deserve. Call Weiss and Rosenblum today at 212-366-6100. Again, that's 212-366-6100 or visit weissandrosenblum.com for more information. No case is too big or too small. Personal attention to your matter is a priority. Once more, call 212-366-6100. Previous results do not guarantee future outcomes. If you think you might have a case, speak with a veteran attorney, not a rookie. What's up, Knicks fans? This new year, you've got goals and Factor is here to help you achieve each and every one of them. Save time and have the energy you need to tackle everything on your to-do list with Factor's ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. Get Factor and not only skip the trip to the grocery store, but skip the chopping, prepping, and cleaning up too. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are ready in just two minutes, so all you have to do is heat and enjoy. No matter what your lifestyle, Factor has the meals to help... We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. If you live it to the fullest with keto, calorie smart, vegan veggie, and protein plus meals on the menu each week. Prepared by chefs and approved by dietitians, each meal has all the ingredients you need to feel satisfied all day long. With 34 chef-prepared, dietitian-approved weekly options, there's always something new to try. Plus, you can round out your meal and replenish your snack supply with an assortment of more than 36 quick bites, smoothies, juices, and more satisfying add-ons. Looking to cut back on takeout? Get Factor instead. Not only is Factor cheaper, but meals are ready quicker than restaurant delivery. Just two minutes. Also, eating vegan or veggie is a snap with Factor. Each meal has all the ingredients you want and nothing you don't. And if you're looking to mix it up, you can add a protein to your vegan and veggie meals each week. Get Factor and enjoy clean eating without the hassle. Simply choose and enjoy fresh, flavor-packed meals delivered to your door. Don't hesitate. Head to factormeals.com slash filmschool50 and use the code filmschool50 to get 50% off your first box. Again, that's factormeals.com slash filmschool50 to get 50% off your first box. Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. Akiva F. What's going on, Akiva? Why doesn't Tibbs give the OB Randall pairing a shot at power forward and small forward? This has been an issue that's been raised at times. Keep the rim protection on the floor, and if it works, they wouldn't need a backup wing if the minutes are staggered correctly. So my answer to this, and again, I am not the best person to ask about this because I don't, I don't, I just don't think I think the game at this level. But here's my answer: If you're doing that, you're doing it pretty pretty much only to get Obi Toppin minutes because right now the Knicks are able to put on the floor at all times a three who is a better fit than Obi Toppin would be at the three. I say that with some trepidation because who are their threes right now? Their threes are RJ Barrett and Quentin Grimes. So Quentin Grimes, you're getting better shooting, you're getting, and you're getting much better defense at the three than you would be getting um, 
with uh, with Obi. RJ, theoretically, <laughs> you're also getting better shooting and better defense. Although, how crazy is it that I'm sitting here today, January, February, excuse me, 6th, year of our Lord 2023, and I don't know that I could sit here and be like, yes, RJ Barrett is definitely a better perimeter defender than Obi Toppin. Like, I, you know, so, and the benefits that Obi Toppin gives, like, here's why you put, to me, in my mind, my old school way of thinking, is you put more size on the floor because you're going to try to hunt matchup advantages. And Obi Toppin isn't the sort of player that you're going to hand him the ball with a, a smaller guy on him and say, go go to work. Like, take advantage of that situation. That's not his game. So like, I guess my, my, my response to this is like, I'm not sure what benefits you're getting out of it. You know? Because um, I feel like teams are going to put... Because if it's Randall and Obi... Teams are just going to try to put those guys in rotations defensively, and and I, I don't feel great about that. Um, and offensively, like, are you really getting a benefit? I don't. I I I don't know if I see it that way. I, I I'm look if they tried it, I'd be all for it. And like that's a that's a bigger picture question, which is like, since the day Tom Thibodeau became coach and was essentially mandated by this front office and this owner to like go win games. Tom Thibodeau is going to, he's, he's going about his business trying to win every second, every minute, every day, every game, every, everything. He's not experimenting. He doesn't care about the development of the young players or in that sense, that specific sense. He doesn't care about getting this guy enough minutes or getting that guy enough minutes. He's going to do the things that he believes lead to wins. And while his hand has been forced at times to experiment when his back's really been against the wall. And at times, some of those experimentations have worked. I think he does, you know, he's going to, he's going to stick with his tried and true. If what is, if, if it's working and, and say this, what they've done for the large portion of the season has worked. Um, you know, so I, I hope that was a satisfactory answer. Um, Junon, what's going on, Junon? Thank you for the contribution. Appreciate all of our regulars chiming in here. This is great. Salute, GMAC is back. Can we laugh at the Nets now? That's up to GMAC. <laughs> That's great. GMAC is really staying off camera today, huh? That's fine. He's secretly a shy. I'm oh. right here. I'm just chilling. That's all. It's my lunch break, too. You know, Your lunch break. Shout out, shout out to no free advertising. So I, maybe I shouldn't shout them out. I said a delicious Cubano wrap. If you know, you know. Uh, hold on, put up Juanon's comment again because I, I feel like there was more there that I didn't get to after laughing at the Nets. Here we go. Uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts on the inevitable Lakers Suns panic trades and if there's room for us to slide in and benefit somehow. Um, boy, am I fascinated by the fact that the Suns put Chris Paul and a first along with Jay Crowder for Kyrie. Because to me, what the reporting that came from the last several days makes very clear is that the, the, our old, my old favorite phrase, all, all it takes is one asshole. Well, there were a couple assholes. And there are teams with their backs against the wall, and there are teams that are feeling... I don't, I don't want to say desperate, but like a sense of urgency to the point where they are clearly willing to make risky moves for a very talented player, even if that very talented player has shown us time and time and time and time again that he is perhaps not 
the horse you want to hit your wagon to. Um, I mean, again, just think about Chris Paul for Kyrie Irving. I mean, I understand Chris Paul's game has fallen off this year, but um, as far as getting in on inevitable Lakers Suns panic trades, I I don't <clears throat> like the obvious way to get in on a Lakers panic trade is be the place where you know you inherit Russ and you send out you know whatever it is Fournier's salary and and Rose's salary, but that would require some team out there looking at Derek Rose and Evan Fournier as like, that is a material upgrade over Russell Westbrook. And we are willing to pay, to pay some kind of premium to get that upgrade. And the Knicks would um, end up with that premium. I don't, I don't see anybody saying that. Um, so I don't see it there. As for Phoenix, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I, I just I do I don't know. I don't know what what it would be that would get the Knicks involved. Um I'll think about it some more. If I come up with something, I'll let you know in the Discord, but I don't really have anything. Another one from Juanon. Also, who do you think the best player available coming back will be in the Cam Reddish trade? And why is it Chetty Osman? Another Chetty Osman one. It might be Chetty Osman. Like that's but like if you're if you're the Cavs. Hold on, I it's a bad job by me. I need to look up Chetty Osmond's contract. Um it's so funny. My phone any type I anytime I type in a, a player's name, an NBA player's name, like the where it fills in like the next word, contract always comes up as like one of my top options because I so often look up these contracts. So Chetty Osmond is on <clears throat> an essentially expiring contract because his Salary for next year is fully guaranteed. is is not fully guaranteed. It's not guaranteed. Completely non guaranteed. Excuse me. Um, the guarantee date is in late June. I I believe you can you can move that. Um, the money certainly works. Like, but again, is Chetty like Chetty Osmond's like Chetty Osmond's pretty good, you know. Like Chetty Osmond's a decent player. He's appeared in 53 games for Cleveland this year. He averages 21 minutes a game, shooting 36% from deep. Got good, decent size. Really efficient overall. 57 effective field goal percentage. That's solid. Um, like Chetty Osmond's a decent player. So you're gonna bring him in and you're gonna is he gonna is he become a 10 man rotation? Is he taking somebody's because if he comes here and he's playing, even if he, even if you do go to a ten man rotation, he's taking somebody's minutes because you know Brunson's going to play, Randall's going to play a lot. Maybe you want to tell me maybe he takes RJ's minutes. Yeah, maybe. Um, but I see those minutes coming probably from elsewhere, and my fear would be that maybe Deuce gets cut out a little bit. I don't know. I don't. Cam Reddish in a second for Chetty. Maybe Cleveland does it as a straight up trade. I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I I doubt it, but I could be wrong. Um, it's not a bad name. It's not a bad name. Something like that, though, seems seems fair. Akiva F with another one. Did the Kyrie trade restore order to the trade market? 
No. No, I don't think it did. And I think it showed like again when you get teams that are looking to make a splash, they will still they are still going to overpay. Think about what the Mavs gave up. They gave up their best probably their best non-Luca asset in Dorian Finney-Smith. Just signed him to a great contract. Like that dude's good. That dude's playing for any team in the league. They got him on a nice deal. Spencer Dinwiddie's a decent player. And they gave up a 2029 unprotected pick. Unprotected pick. I understand the talent that they are getting back. But whoever was trading for Kyrie was putting themselves in a very difficult situation this summer because you either potentially lose him for nothing or you sign him to a massive amount of money. And this is arguably the most unreliable player in the sport. And it took an unprotected 2029 pick to get him plus two good players, including one on a really nice contract. I think it just shows like, at the end of the day, talent wins and teams are going to pony up. And um, yeah, I I think this just is what the trade market is now. Uh, Juan Sex 51. What's going on, Juan Sex 51? Thank you for the contribution. Appreciate it. Does the NBA need to step in and rein in guys like Ainge? Why? The Goldberg deal destroyed the always interesting trade market. I, I'll... I'll um, give a hat tip to Fred Katz who pointed out on the pod that we did with him a few weeks ago or a week and a half ago that it wasn't even the Gobert trade. You could actually point to the DeJounte Murray Mer- trade. That's another trade, but point to the Derek White trade of last season where not only did the Celtics give up a first, they gave up a future, I think it was a top one or unprotected pick swap in 2028 for a role player. For a role player. I think the Gobert trade and the and the Murray trade to some extent, but really the Gobert trade like pushed it further in that direction. But like step in and rein in guys like Ains, like someone who's willing to pay that. And you want to talk about like you you, you know uh, okay they were willing to pay that because they wanted to get the deal done and they didn't want any other bidders to be introduced into the ecosystem. But like Minnesota was bidding against nobody and they paid that. Nobody forced them to pay that. Danny Ainge was like, here's what we want. And I think originally he asked for, um, uh, who was it? I think, uh, is it McDaniels? I forget the guy that's on Minnesota. The one guy in Minnesota didn't want to give up. And, that was their that was their line in the sand, and then they were like, "But we'll give you everything else." And Utah was like, "Okay." Like nobody forced their hand. Nobody forced their hand. I don't know. I think the tree you're barking up is more like, you know, trying to do something about like players taking you know too much control. But look, I, I'm all for player empowerment and. Theoretically, the marketplace will correct itself if players lower their own market value because they are too, you know, aggressive in seeking what they want. But no, I don't think Lee's not going to do anything. Lee couldn't do anything if he wanted to. Pen Gim Kim 
Gervy, what's going on, Ben? Um, are there any second or third year players with Tibbs friendly skill sets buried on benches you're hearing any interest in? Um, no, not that I'm hearing, but I'm happy to go through some names like Usman Garuba, for example, that we could get for Cam or even Svi. Well, I don't think you're getting um, a guy that was just drafted recently for someone that isn't playing. Like even. Even if there was such a player who a team like had already soured on, like you're still going to have to pay up something like with a Tibbs type skill set. I mean, Duarte is a guy they loved. Now, Duarte isn't buried on the bench. He's playing, but I don't think he's playing in the role that he envisioned for himself when he came into the league. That said, if he came to New York, would would his role really change that much? He's going to be behind RJ. He's going to be behind Grimes. He's going to be behind quickly in the wing department. So I don't know. I don't know if that's the answer. Um, I mean, I think Garuba is a good name. I think Garuba is a good name. You know, Jaden Springer is a guy and like, Jaden Springer is like, talk about out of sight, out of mind. Like, I don't even know what Jaden Springer is up to right now. He is, I believe with the Philly organization still um, he's been up and down from the G league uh, over the last couple of years. Like the Sixers acquired him with the 28th pick in the draft. Like that was a guy, Jaden Springer, the Knicks were at least rumored to be interested in ahead of that draft. Nothing's going on in Philly with him. That's a, you know, that's a name. Uh, but again, I, what, you know, that they have deuce. So like, what are they doing with Jaden Springer? You've already put two years into deuce. Like why, why are you going to bring in another guy? Um, and then I'm just going through the drafts. So the two drafts you asked about, um, I mean, we've Sadiq Bay has come up, but again, Sadiq Bay is going to cost you something. Um, and again, he's not buried on their bench, but it seems like they want to move him. um, I don't really see I don't really see anybody else. I don't really see anybody else. Sorry, I don't have a better answer for you. I think you nailed Garuba's pretty good one though, but they're not gonna trade him for nothing. Thanks, Ben. Sam Garcia. Hey John, just wanted to ask if you think KD is moved before Thursday's deadline. Also, thank you for the birthday wish last night. Um, happy birthday once again, first of all. And second of all, no, I do not think he will be moved before Thursday. I'd be shocked if he's moved. Thank you for the um, question and the contribution. James Choi, where do you place Hayward on the totem pole of possible targets? Very low. Very, very low. There has been absolutely no buzz about Gordon Hayward at all. Period. End of story. Like, again, theoretically, Fournier plus Rose for Hayward works under the cap. It saves Charlotte, I think, uh, 12 or 13 million dollars uh, next season and Gordon Hayward would be seemingly a great fit why is there no interest in Gordon Hayward I can't tell you that it's because teams view him as just too like he's a guy that needs to have such a big role when he plays and yet he's so unreliable with his injuries that it basically causes it causes chaos on your team to have a guy like that where it's just the the it, it's basically he's a guy who is 
who has become a toxic asset, not because of what he does when he's on the floor, but because of how often he's off the floor. And his talent isn't worth it. Joseph Brennan, um, I really like Vanderbilt as a player in a vacuum, but Tibbs has no interest in non-shot blockers at the five, and Vanderbilt's fit spacing-wise with iHeart and Mitch seems like it would be awful on offense. Here's the only pushback that I'll give about that, and I don't disagree with anything that you're saying. However, if it's one thing the Knicks have been able to do, this year in particular, it has been able to take a team that seemingly has very, very, very severe spacing issues, right? And concoct out of that a really good offense. And I looked up the numbers today. They're According to Cleaning the Glass, they're actually sixth in offense. And that is because in the four factors, offensive rebounding, turnover rate, and free throw rate, they're the only team in the league, the only team in the league in the top 10 in all three of those. Now, they are bottom six in effective field goal percentage which is why they are only sixth in offense. So like Jared Vanderbilt, I think he moves on offense pretty well. He attempts two free throws per 24 minutes, which is like not great. Um, Here's the thing. 2.3 offensive rebounds in 24 minutes a game this year. 2.9 offensive rebounds in 25 minutes a game last year for Minnesota. That number is interesting to me. As a guy who darts in from the corner, kills the offensive glass, maybe you use him as like kind of a, a mover and a roller a little bit more on offense. Um, I'm not saying to be pretty. I'm not saying to be perfect. But do they look at him as like, man, what we would be able to pick up defensively with that guy is we'll we'll figure out the offense. You know, we'll figure out the offense. Maybe they, maybe who knows? Maybe they start using Hardenstein a little bit differently. I don't know. Um, I'm just saying, I, I don't think it's as, I think we think of, I do a lot, think of these things in like black and white. And oftentimes, you know, the truth lies in the gray area in between. Busy. Here we go. PG 13 for Julius Randle, a 2023 first and a 2024 swap. Would you do it? Would I do it? Yes. Yes. That's easy. <laughs> Thanks, Busy. I think about it, but I do. Frank Miranda, well, another one. Frank, you're the best man. What's up, Mac? It's your boy Frank from Patreon. The crazy part about Tibbs is that I think he's a perfect. He's perfect for a player like KD. Tibbs loves coaching stars, and stars play really well under Tibbs. Teams perform. Teams with stars perform really well under Tibbs. Tibbs will keep this team winning in the regular season if Durant misses 25 percent of the games. Um, yeah, yeah. Um. Yes, I, I think I think that's very true. Bernard Richardson. After the Kyrie trade, is the Mavs pick more valuable this week or after the season before draft day? I am maybe in the minority on this. I think the value of the pick goes down. <clears throat> so, um, I think I think the Mavs are going to be a better regular season team from here on in than they otherwise would have been. I'm not sure about that. So I think the value of the pick went down a little bit. And I think they're probably going to be better off holding on to it. That's my gut feeling. Could be wrong. Thanks, Bernard. Appreciate the question. 
Uh, Hushu is, in your opinion, is the Vanderbilt Beasley trade more likely than the OB OG trade? Absolutely. 100%. I, I think it's more likely because OG is going to just cost a lot more. Do you think there's a big chance the Knicks stay put or is a move inevitable? I think Cam getting traded is inevitable. I do not think any other move is inevitable. Would be my answer to that. Thanks, Hush. Appreciate that. Uh, CT Pittman, do you see any... What's going on, CT? Great to hear from you. Sorry, I'd like to skip right past who the question was from. Do you see any scenario where we can make a trade with the Hornets since most of their players are available? There are a few players that we could use. I think the Hornets are a tough one. I just explained why I thought the Hornets were a tough one with uh, as far as um, Gordon Hayward and the issues that uh, that brings. I think Terry Rogier is a guy that I've mentioned in the past as like, oh, is that someone the Knicks would kick the tires on? Salaries too much and goes out too many years. He's guaranteed uh, fully through the 24-25 season. Uh, they don't need another center, so cross Mason Plumlee off the list. And then you're basically looking at PJ Watt. Well, Book Knight, I mean, who the hell knows what Book Knight is right now? I don't, that's not a reclamation project I really want to take on. This is not the coach for a reclamation project. So then you're dealing with PJ Washington. Like, there are teams that have a need for PJ Washington. I don't think the Knicks are one of them in terms of what they would need to give up. And then you go to o- Ubre. Now, Ubre's a guy the Knicks have been linked to in the past. Expiring contract. It's interesting. Maybe good, maybe bad depending on what their plans are. Um, I don't think it's a fit. I don't think it's a fit. You know, would, but again, that's an interesting. Would they, would they trade? I think the money... No, the money doesn't work. I was going to say Cam... Yeah, it doesn't work. Cam and, and, a, and a, like a second for Kelly Oubre. They need to include some other salary there. So that's a, that's a no. Totes and my goats. Thoughts on KD to Boston. Uh, that's going to be a no for me for right now. This is apparently a report from Stephen A. Smith that KD, he expects to see moved this week and watch for Jalen Brown. Do with that I, information what you will. I don't. I just don't see Cy moving him. I don't, I, I don't see. I don't see them moving. Him. They didn't move him last summer. Why are they going to move him now? Because they because Kyrie forced his way out. That's the big difference maker. I think the Nets are going to want to see what other moves they could make with these picks that they just got, maybe with Spencer Dinwiddie, maybe with Dorian Finney-Smith. And I don't think they want to punt just yet. If they wanted to punt, they had an opportunity to really... like they Like, they never really went down the road with anybody this summer. So Kyrie leaving is going to change them wanting to go down the road that much further now. I don't buy it. I, I'm happy to be wrong about that. Um, would I do it if I was? I'd do it if I was Boston. But again, it's not going to be straight up for Jalen Brown. Brooklyn's going to want more stuff. And then it gets tricky. Uh, Hush Sue with another one. If Brunson and Randall keep up this level of play, do you think the Knicks will be, Knicks will be dangling RJ in the offseason to make the all-in move this summer? Yes. Yes, 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 yes. Yes. Fountain of Hoop. What's going on, Fountain of Hoop? Just finished up my first class and saw this. Macri, do you think Vandy and OG are still in play for the Knicks? I could see them making either both moves. Again, I think the Vandy one is more likely. If you had to ask me right now, do they make one of those moves or make neither of those moves? I'm going to say neither. But I still think it's in play. Of course it's in play. Everybody's talking. 
Everybody's talking. Jay Boogie. What's going on, Jay Boogie? Thanks for chiming in. Having lunch while well, J-Mac dropping jewels behind a Philly win and the Grammys. I did not. I don't even know. Could not tell you one person or a group who won a Grammy last night. At least I know the Grammys took place last night. Wow. This is how you start the week off. Salute, salute, salute. Three capital S's. Thank you, Jay Boogie. I appreciate that, man. Very much so. Fountain of Hoop with another one. Do you think KD regrets not coming to the Knicks? No. The key got out of life what he wanted. I'll leave it at that. A good answer. I do think that Fountain of Hoop is referencing the part of the side talk video where the guy goes, tell me a little something, KD. Don't you regret not coming to the Knicks? You completely like forget that part, or I I know what you're talking about. Okay, yes. The thing I always post when something happens with Tom Brady in the news, and you know what Tom Brady's. Uh, oh, that guy, that guy, that guy. So there are multiple people from that that don't say the two words that start with B's that MSG adapted that I don't want to repeat. Um, but yeah, that's I think what he was referencing. Last super chat, and then we'll do one more question, then we'll get out of here. Okay. Uh, Robert Cross, is it fair and reasonable to say thank you for the contribution, Robert? Thank you, everybody, for the contributions. I didn't know we were even getting Super Chats on this, but I appreciate it, obviously. It, 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 thank you. Is it fair and reasonable to say that the KFS community is interested in trading Kevin? <laughs> I was like, is he referring to Kevin Knox? <laughs> That's where my mind went. That shows you how sick I am. If so, is there a market for him? I'm skeptical. Hashtag 53 wins. No, 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 no. Kevin's on a lifetime contract. We love Kevin and his rankings of the greatest players of all time, which he drops into the Discord. Not the Discord, the uh, playback. And one more question from John Perez. What's the all-in move, though? Um, The all-in move... If you're asking me today, February 6th, 2023, what do I think the most likely all-in move is? Man, I hope it's I hope it's not Carl Anthony Towns. <laughs> I really hope not. I wouldn't mind if it's Paul George, uh, but the Clippers would really need to implode. Clippers would really need to implode. I would love if it's Devin Booker. Oh boy, would I love if it's Devin Booker. But Sons would need to imply what they just got a new owner. The new owner is going to trade Devin Booker. I don't, I don't, I don't see that. Uh, I don't see Dame working with Brunson if he asks out. Um, Embiid, that's always been my one. The hope does it is it not going to happen this summer, but. Does it happen a year from now or a year and a half from now? We'll see. I like that guy. That guy's pretty good. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for tuning in um, today. Remember to like this video. Subscribe to the channel. Um, we will see you live after the Hawks game. But before that, my plan is to be right back here tomorrow, hopefully with some rumors and news to discuss as things on the Tuesday before the trade down the line. We usually get a trade on the Tuesday before the deadline. So at the very least, I, I trust that we're going to get some rumors tonight. 
So I think we'll have some even more stuff to talk about tomorrow. See you back here then. Uh, Thank you, everybody. And we will talk to you soon. Peace out. The headlines remind us daily. The world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine. Stop noticing. But you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.